A popular Outcast production. Red button go. I'm recording. Okay, I'm recording. We should report while we're all recording. We should really start a podcast. <laughs> Let's do one about. You know what we all like? What's that? Video games and beer. My God, you're onto something. <laughs> I, I bet we could get dozens of listeners if we tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should record 45 episodes. And see how uh, see how well it goes. <laughs> just as a, just as a test run. What is it? What episode is this? This is episode forty six. We're recording on November twenty seventh, two thousand fifteen. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Portable Power Podcast. My name is Emra Smith, and I'm here with Kevin Seibert and Mark Matters. So uh, this is the only podcast not responsible for the deaths of any turkeys yesterday. Except for some turkeys that I totally pwned in League of Legends. Ho oh, ho! Oh dang. I annihilated an entire tofurkey myself. Take that, soybeans. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> they had it coming. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, how are you doing, Mark? Um, I'm well, thank you for asking. Yeah, how's the tofurkey sitting? I feel like a big fat pig right now. But at least no <laughs> fat pigs were involved in it. No, that's true. true. No pig fat either. No. What are you drinking? Well, this was my Thanksgiving beverage of choice. It is Ace's Joker Hard Cider. It is a dry hard cider instead of like a sweet one. It's it's champagne-esque. Um, it's gluten-free. It's semi-local uh, here in California, and it's about 7% alcohol. Wow. Righteous. Yeah. And what have you been playing that's not for the podcast? Mm, I restarted Mass Effect 1 for the third time. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, probably my... I'm reluctant to say this, but just for the sake of uh, this story, I'm just going to say it's probably my uh, favorite game of last generation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, glou- I'm grouping all three games into one single game when I say right. that. Um, yeah, that's fair. because I got like the box set. It's 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 in one package, so to me, that's all one game. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I love Mass Effect. Um, I love each game for different reasons, but um, I have yet to play another game with a more dynamic and interesting cast of characters, um, a better simulation of what I think it would actually kind of be like to be the captain of a starship and ex- um, exploring other planets and. Um, yeah. yeah. Plus, you know, you get to make out with tentacle heads, so that's cool. Do you do you now have it, like, plotted in your head which characters you're going to bang over the course of each game? No, I, I don't. Um, my one and only is always Tally. <laughs> it's always Tally. I'm, she, I'm completely devoted to her. Is she the blue tentacle-headed one? No, she's actually oh. the one with the dome mask kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> and like the sort of, sort of like the goat legs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saving my tentacle head banging for the Twi'lex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, she's uh, her and Garrus are my two favorite characters. And so every single mission is just me, uh, Tali and Garrus. I don't know. Cool. I barely use any other characters in the game. Yeah. Does that game hold up? Like, I remember not really getting it when it first came out, but I played the first game all the way through. I'll say graphically, it's starting to show its age. It's definitely still like a glitchy mess. Mechanically, it still works fine. It's not amazing. But um, and, like, again, it's the storytelling. It's the acting. Yeah. That, that still like make it an amazing game series for me. What's your notable Christmas game? Um. The easy one for me is going to be uh, Christmas 1992. I had begging my been begging my parents for months, maybe even longer, for a Super Nintendo. And my dad remained firm that um, video games are bad for you. I'm not going to let you play video games. Um, you're going to get start getting bad grades in school. You can become a social retard. All this stuff. <laughs> um, he was right about it all. It all came true, but like I eventually <laughs> turned the grade things around. The other thing, not so much. But um, no, so months of this, like literal like fights um, with my father about getting a Super Nintendo. And Christmas morning comes, and this is it was a very much it was very much like um, the movie A Christmas Story with the Red Rider shotgun. Because I opened up a bunch of presents that I didn't really ask for because the literally the only thing I asked for was Super Nintendo. So, I mean, they got me like rollerblades and they got me maybe like sweater or something like that. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. Boring Christmas. And then at the end, from out of nowhere is this gigantic box. I'm like, oh, what is this going to be? Like a, like a new coat or something. And I open it up and there's photographic evidence of this. And I'm just stunned. Like, the look on my face is, like, that of, like, um, dis- just sheer disbelief. Like, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. Did you do the Nintendo 64 kids thing? No, I, I was far too stunned. <laughs> I had no flattened. reaction whatsoever. I just could not believe what I was looking at. And that was probably the best uh, video gaming Christmas present I ever got. Beautiful. <laughs> Kevin. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing Okay. Great. What are you drinking? Tonight I'm drinking uh, from Weyerbacher Brewery. It's the their uh, Tiny, which is a Belgian-inspired imperial stout. Mm. Uh, it's pretty good. I keep liking it more and more, but that might be due to its 11.8% ABV. Oh, dang. Yeah. It, it has kind of like a chocolatey flavor. Um, it's very heavy and very dark. Wow. It tastes like good dreams. Aww. No, I mean, it tastes like I'm going to go into a coma in, like, a second. <laughs> That's sweet. You're going to fall asleep at 7 o'clock at night. Yeah, Try to hold it off for, like, 45 minutes. Get <laughs> these reviews in. And what have you been playing that's not for the podcast? I've been playing a lot of Super Mario Maker for the Wii U. Oh, cool. yeah. You know, I've played uh, quite a bit of that. Let's hear a little bit about what you think of it. Well, I love it. Which is something that I very rarely say about games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the level creation tool. I like finding other people's really creative level concepts. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the levels more that are creative rather than the ones that are like just punishingly difficult. Yes. 
like I I tried to do the 100 uh, Mario challenge or whatever it was called. That's hard. Um, it turns out that it varies. Like the I I tried it yesterday, and I was like, what level could they possibly present me with? That well, what series of eight levels? I guess are they going to present me with that I'm going to go through a hundred lives on, <laughs> and then the very first level I went through like twelve before I rage quit in frustration. <laughs> right, that's how it goes. Um, but then I tried it again this morning and beat all eight levels in probably about three lives. That's great. Yeah, so it really varies. Have you been doing the challenge levels? Are the ones where you click on the toad icon? Um, I don't know. Okay, so look look for those next time you play. But I just read today that um, there's one going on. They they change uh, weekly, maybe, and um, the one that's one of them that's available today un- actually unlocks the frog suit as an item, and that was oh never, yeah, I unlocked that. That was never available before in the game. Yeah. Um. So I got to go do that. I haven't used it in a level yet, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I unlocked it earlier today. So that'll be interesting if they unlock, they put more uh, items and stuff like that behind the unlockables. Yeah. Um, have you played many on my levels? Uh, I've played most of them, I think. Okay. How did you feel about my Airman stage? Did it did it capture the feel of of Mega Man? Um. Yes and no. Uh, okay. I mean, obviously, it, it's hard because there's no shooting. Yes. But it did feel very much. Like a Mega Man level, and yeah, I I beat it on probably my second or third try. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Was that supposed to be hard? <laughs> oh, that's what she said. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> we can still use those. I've been. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Steve Carell didn't totally kill it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I I couldn't beat your Parappa Palace level yet, though. You know, but you know the way to go, right? I I do. Yeah, I, I I know the way to go. I'm just I keep trying to go to where the candle is. Okay. And I mean, I'm sure there's nothing there. I have good items where things should be. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I found where the fairy is. It's actually a one up, right? Yeah, and then there's um there's definitely um like a star at some point. And there are two um, additional costumes. One of the challenges I set, uh, if you read the Miiverse commentary for that level that I made, is um, to beat the level as either Zelda or Ganondorf. Mm-hmm. But I guess first work on beating it as Link. Yeah, I, I found Zelda. Okay. Ganon's a little bit harder. His is a really random spot. But yeah. Yeah, I like your approach that you've been taking with like recreating levels it's of all i can do games. because i don't have any good ideas for <laughs> levels so i just bust out like my old video game books or whatever i'll go online and download a map and you're like well this is fun you're the weird al yankovic of mario Maker. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what i am so kevin um what's your what's your fondest uh holiday video game memory uh probably christmas 1990 when i got this uh you know, really obscure game called Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> yeah, I I had beaten it before winter break was over, mm. but I still haven't stopped playing it. Like, I, I play that game at least once a year, usually multiple times a year. I'll just sit down and play it start to finish, and I've now turned it into an adult game of uh, Drunk Mario, where <laughs> I play it and take a shot every time I die, which admittedly does not happen that often. Damn. Yeah, I, I, it, I should probably rename it from Drunk Mario because I very rarely end drunk. <laughs> I don't know if that says more about the fortitude of my liver or my Mario skills. 
Oh, it's definitely your Mario skills. So, Emerus, what's up? Uh, I'm uh, having a pretty laid-back day post-Thanksgiving. Are your pants on? They are <laughs> all the way on. Let's not do this again. Yes. Are they still unbuttoned? <laughs> uh, no button is affixed. Ask me what I'm drinking. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a beer. Yeah! What? Yeah! It's a non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> Does uh, it taste like filth? Alright. It is 0.5% alcohol by volume, <laughs> since we're comparing. Uh, well, that's one proof. That's <laughs> just a big <laughs> one proof. I think the only reason it has 0.5% alcohol is so that you can just say it's one proof, sort of like the reason why diet soda doesn't have to have any calories, mm-hmm. but they still put 10 in for some reason. It's like, oh, it's Pepsi 10 or whatever. A calorie might have snuck in there. Yeah, it's one proof. It's got a pretty mild aroma and uh, even milder mouthfeel to it. Mm. It reminds me of Bud, um, which normally that would offend most people, but I'm kind of a sicko. I actually used to like Bud, because when I was drinking really cheap in Chicago, I would drink a lot of um, PBR, and PBR has this really acrid flavor, like battery acid sometimes, and yeah. so after drinking PBR for like a few days, I would just drink Budweiser, because it was the opposite of it. I liked it, so huh. I actually, um, it's not offensive, I'm enjoying having a whole beer to myself, it tastes like beer, it yeah. is foamy, it has fizz, and it smells like beer, it's really great. Just to have a beer to drink, but something is missing. <laughs> it's obvious what that thing is. Yeah, I don't ever see myself buying a six pack of O'Doul's. That's what it, that's the brand. <laughs> and just like kicking back and drinking a whole six pack of O'Doul's like I used to back in the day. Be, but like just having one when everybody else around you is drinking a beer, I think that makes sense. It's being like, yeah, I have a beer too. I'm like a real man. I'm not. I'm not handicapped. So I never would have seen, I never saw the purpose of non-alcoholic beer at all back when I could just drink regular beer. But now I get it. I totally get it. It was my first, was my, well, I had one for Thanksgiving. And that was my first beer in two years. Wow. That was just, just a beer for me. I would taste other people's, and that was it. So pretty cool. It's my holiday treat. I'm just glad the party animal is back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that wild man. (laughs) What are you playing that's not for the show? I have been getting all the way back into League of Legends. I didn't play almost at all in 2015. Like, my match history is, like, February and then August. (laughs) And then I played two games in August, and I didn't play at all until, like, three or four days ago. And what happened was... Yeah, they released a new patch, which is the preseason patch for 2016. And so they overhauled a lot of the systems of the game, and they put in new items, like changed all the items up. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it a try. And I got back in and I played one game, and I was like, oh my god, this is so much fun. <laughs> like, when you, when you take like a year off, and you let all that frustration and like entitlement fade away, and then you come back later, this is a really fun game. League of Legends is really fun, it's really well designed, the art is amazing, all the content is fantastic, and it's just fun. Like, it's fun to lose, as long as you have the right attitude. So, I can't get enough of it. I wish I could be playing it all the time. 
my attitude is terrible. I don't think I'll ever be returning. Yeah. Yeah, you really have to like you really have to change your attitude if you want to enjoy the game because it's very competitive and it's very complex. And uh if you just go in there and be like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but like I'm gonna find out what the new items do and I wanna try this champion and then you just suck balls. And now the game actually it gives you a, a score at the end of every match, which is really cool. It tells you it grades you from an, an S to an F how you did with your champion. Hmm. And I don't know how they measure that. I think some of it is of like if you buy an item that has an active ability and you use the active ability, your score goes up. I think it's something like that, because at first I was getting like a C. You know, I lost the game and I got a C. And I was like, oh man, I really blew it. <laughs> like, I did terrible. And then over the course of a couple games of practice, I got up to it like an A+. Plus. I got an A+, plus and it was so exciting. You know, I think I lost that game too, but I got an A+. Plus. You know, so that feels really good. And the attitude of players, I've noticed, has changed a lot because they now will ban you within, like, ten minutes. Oh if my you gosh. get mouthy and you submit a report, like, they have a machine learning algorithm in the background that will ban you. They, I've, I've been reading all of, like, the, the de- developer diaries about this ban system, and it's really fascinating because they, like, tune it for accuracy so there's, like, almost no false positives. Like, that's been their number one key to tuning it. And now it just will, like, aggressively ban you. Like, two weeks. If you say wow. if you say the N-word, bang, you're going to get banned for two weeks, like, immediately. So the community has gotten a lot nicer. That is really important. I mean, that's probably the biggest reason that I left was I would just have, like, long stretches of troll teammates. Yeah. Who, like... I was one of the, uh, like, I was in the tribunal. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I regularly participated in that back when I still played. Mm-hmm. And I would, like, I would occasionally, like, my, um, my gamer friends who didn't play League of Legends, the, the very few that I had, like, I would occasionally just, like, pull up some of the tribunal reports that I was reading and show it to people. And, yeah. like, they would be appalled by some of the things that they were reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They took all those that tribunal information, like millions of cases they got, mm-hmm. and they made like a, a machine algorithm that now does it automatically. So the the bans go out within like ten minutes, and people there are even like they'll like post something where if somebody goes, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna do this and that. I'm gonna feed intentionally," and Riot doesn't care, and then they're like instantly banned, and Light will like post that and be like, "Yeah, we got you, <laughs> we got you." So. I did have one game where there were some shitheads, and I was just like, I'm going to report you guys. And then that was the end. <laughs> that was the end of their their madness. They were just like, okay, we actually want to play. We don't want to get banned. The game has evolved a lot in just the last year, and at its core, it's just phenomenally fun. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is uh, it's about two years too late for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. I'm addicted. But do you have a Christmas gaming memory to share? Yeah, mine's different from y'all. Uh, one of my most notable Christmas-themed memories is one year in 2002, my roommate at college hired me to level up his Final Fantasy XI character. Oh, shoot. Oh, I remember this. Break. Yeah. Wasn't this the MMO? Yeah, that was the MMO. The Final Fantasy XI had an incredibly punishing death system where if you die, you lose XP forever. Oh. 
which can even, like, unlevel you. So he paid me $60 to level him up over Christmas break because he did not have a broadband connection, and we did. So I only managed to get one level over the course of, like, a week. Oh, my gosh. Because I died one time. Because <laughs> like, the game was hard. There was, uh, it was not your, it was not World of Warcraft. Uh, like, if, if you, the way the game worked was you would try to pull increasingly difficult monsters in, like, a cadence, and there were only, like, certain locations where these monsters would spawn. So they would develop these, like, communities of people who were all pulling monsters together. It was always right next to the exit point where you go to another zone. And this is why. If somebody gets to the end of their cadence and they pull, like, the hardest monster, and then they all die, that monster goes uncontrolled and starts killing absolutely everyone nearby. And so whenever somebody would die and they were their team was going to wipe, they would start spamming in, like, the local chat, Zone! 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 <laughs> you would have to run as fast as you could off the monster field into the next zone, or else the creature would just kill everyone nearby. And then you'd have to, like, lie there, and you'd have to wait for a white mage to come and resurrect you, because the white mages were the only healers. Otherwise, you took an even bigger XP penalty, and you had to respawn back in town, and you had to walk all the way back. And it takes, like, it took an hour just to find a group. Because you couldn't level by yourself whatsoever. Why did people play this? Well, I don't know. It was really fun. Like, I really enjoyed it for that that week of Christmas break where I leveled my roommate's character up. It was it was fun to play. Uh, but it was very punishing and uh, hardcore. And this was back in the days, right? You gotta remember, this was back in the days of EverQuest. You want to, like, read about some shit in MMOs, read about EverQuest 1. Like, that game was bananas. Now, World of Warcraft has raised an entirely new generation of MMO players who are basically spoon-fed games by comparison. Oh, and they just keep making it easier. Alright, well, I've been playing an always online free-to-play game, like a lot of MMOs. This one's a little bit different, and it's called Nintendo Badge Arcade. Have either of you played it? I have. Yeah, I uh, I tried it out. At its core, this is uh, it's a it's a crane game. If you've ever gone to hell, if you've ever gone to Walmart and you played the crane where you grab a stuffed animal or whatever, like that's basically what this game is. But what you're actually getting in this game is little little things called badges that you can then stick on the home menu of your 3ds, and they're from all different series, and they rotate out day-to-day. You have Zelda, you have Mario, there's Pikmin, there's a more obscure stuff like Box Boy or Tamodachi Life, and there's a lot of different ways you can approach then the decorating of your home menu, and some people go with, like, they'll try to create, like, a, a scene, or they'll try to create, like, art, for lack of a better word. My approach, though, is I always go, I always focus, anyway, on the the icons that actually do things. And there aren't a lot of them, but you can get badges that look like the settings icon or 
the street pass icon or the camera icon. And like right now, my home menu has a Tom Nook from Animal Crossing holding the uh, eShop icon. Those I find really useful. Um, as far as just decorating my home menu with like Mario's head or something like that, it's not really appealing at all to me, but um, it's cool. It switches it up a little bit. It allows for nicer customization, especially if you download, download like a theme from the eShop. They're usually like a dollar, I think. Um, you get like a Legend of Zelda theme and then you can decorate your menu with all these Legend of Zelda icons and then, you know, you're a big nerd. Everybody makes fun of you. There you go. <laughs> but <laughs> who sees your 3DS home screen? Right. Not many people, I guess, but, um, you can post it to Meverse if you want. If you really like your, your stuff, you can show it off. I have a whole bunch of Pikmin too, the running around holding like the camera and the wrench and stuff like that. And it's pretty, pretty adorable. Now it, it's free to play and it starts off pretty generous in that regard. I think you get at least five free plays your first time and you can rack up a decent amount of badges during that time. But from then on, you have to do the practice catcher every day. And if you do en- if you, if you get enough, uh, practice badges, you'll get a free p- play badge. Or if you get certain practice badges that have an icon on the back of them, which you cannot see until you already catch them. It'll give you a certain number of free plays. Um, otherwise, though, you have to pay a dollar for five chances. And I guess some people are upset by that. For me, it's like, I don't really care. All of this stuff is irrelevant. I'm not going to pay. I haven't paid for free little menu icons on my 3DS. And so it really doesn't bother me. I'll log on every day because every day you have five more chances for the practice thing. And um, every day the the machines switch out with different uh, badges that you can grab. And, you know, you play for five minutes. Sometimes you get some badges. Sometimes you don't. And no big deal. End of the day, it's it's just like a little added bonus for the 3DS. And I really like it. There's a little um, bunny that walks you through everything. He's sort of like the, he sort of works at the uh, quote unquote, like arcade there. And sometimes he's just like, hi, how you doing? You know, let's, let's, let's catch some stuff. And Hey, why don't you spend some money? You know, you want to spend some money, but occasionally he'll like bust out a review of a game and he's got a lot of personality. He's pretty adorable. And um, yeah, bunny for smash bros five. I'm on that. I'm on that <laughs> wagon now. Yeah. Yeah. I, d- I do like the bunny quite a bit. I don't know if he has a name, but... Well, so, okay, so, Kevin, what did you think of this? Well, I mean, it's nothing that I'm gonna be, like, super into or anything. Like, I the I find the menu buttons and everything to be mostly irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a fun little distraction here and there. Like, I'm not... Like I said, I'm not really gonna get into it that much, and I'm certainly never gonna spend money on yeah. any of this. Like, I'll, I'll play it once a day for a little bit, probably, but I, I don't really see myself, you know, sticking with it long-term. They'd have to actually, you know, offer something a little bit more interesting to me to get me to keep going back into it day after day. Right. But yeah, for a free thing, yeah, it's fine. Oh, one of the things I do like I didn't mention is um, before all of your folders in the game, if you if you group a bunch of things together and throw it in a folder, mm-hmm. it, it, you could only put like a letter on there or, or like a symbol or something from the keyboard. And now you can actually use the badges to decorate those folders. So it's it's a little bit more visual appealing than having just like all these folders that just have like a single letter on them, something which I always, I always thought was ugly. Whenever I see people's home menus, it's just full of folders that just like A, B, C, D. <laughs> yeah. mm, pretty hideous. Yeah, the letters are awful. So now, I mean, my one folder that I have on my menu it has, a, has a Goomba on it, and it's much more attractive. <laughs> I've often looked at Goombas and thought, that is darn attractive. <laughs> you know, I might be into that. <laughs> Something about the mushroom tip that I'm not, I can't quite figure out what it is I like. 
Emrys, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I played through the tutorial. Like, I like the bunny's personality, like you all said. Yeah. And then as soon as they were like, you have to spend money for this, I just completely lost interest. Like, I didn't even look at yeah. the practice thing to see that okay. you could get practice things there. Right. Uh, yeah, honestly, like, I don't even look at the outside of my 3DS that much. Like, <laughs> okay. I will never even spend time getting badges, although I can see the appeal that they have. People people love that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Getting little doodads. And... Well, just personalizing your 3DS. I mean, you look at, like, all the shells you can get for the new 3DS. Like, it's a big yeah, thing. Yeah, I was actually looking at my 3DS because, like, for some reason I got it out from under my bed and charged it a few weeks ago, and I just haven't even, like... Oh, I guess Hoopa. Yeah, Hoopa. Uh... <laughs> Is supposed to be available, I think, this weekend if you take your whatever. I was, I was like, maybe I should sell this. Like, I could use the money. <laughs> so, oh. yeah, I don't know what to do with my 3DS anymore, but I know that putting badges on the home screen is not going to appeal to me too much. How will you play the Pokemans? You know what? I didn't even play that much. I put like 200 hours into X and Y, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I got uh, Omega Ruby. And I put in, like, 30 hours. (laughs) I just beat the campaign, and then I stopped playing. Wow. 30 hours for a portable game that's, like, 40 bucks is still a really good value. Yeah, I'd agree. No. I play Hearthstone and League of Legends. Those are, like, hundreds of hours of games that you can spend $40 a year on. Mm. Well, I think I know something that might interest you, and that is marriage. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I want to preface this with a story about an app you can get if you have Android. I don't know if it's available for iOS. It's called Google Opinion Rewards, and all you do is you fill out a little survey, like, every couple days, and they give you 30 cents of Google Play credits, or, like, 50 cents, or 10 cents, and you just fill out these, like, three-question surveys, and you get money. So, I had accumulated $5 this way over the course of a few weeks. That's the preface. I do not see the app on the App Store for iOS, but I do see a lot of similar apps. Yeah. I was doing that so that I could, if I if I saw a game I wanted to review for the podcast, that I could just pay for one. Anyway, I, it was down, like, it was a couple days ago, and I still hadn't figured out what game to get. So I was looking through the App Store, and I was looking through, like, the top three games or something, and I saw 10 billion lives. <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea what this game is about. But I'm going to download it because I have to review something for the podcast. (laughs) And it was thus that true love was born. Ten billion wives right now (laughs) is my candidate for game of the year. Okay, I'm reading reading the app store description. This is hilarious. So it's uh, it's a game by Masukachi Incorporated, who has like a couple of free-to-play puzzle games and stuff. Like one game with just the yen symbol that's all in Japanese. I don't know. They have one called Zombie and Home Improvement Center. Yeah. <laughs> These are just, I can only see the Android games. I'm sure they have way more iOS games. Anyway, 10 Billion Wives <laughs> has this amazing graphic, which is just like a whole stack of identical faces <laughs> of like this cute anime woman. And here's the only advertisement that it has. Ten, get Married 10 Billion Wives, a game to get married to as many girls as you like. <laughs> Power of Love gives you even more wives. 
meet all wives in the world, and grow 10 billion loves. <laughs> this is the greatest thing. For the person who has 1 billion wives but not 99 problems? Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Uh, this game, you know, you know how when we're reviewing free-to-play games, we're often like, well, this game, you just tap and tap on one thing to accumulate a resource and just make your number go up? Yeah. That is this game, the only thing you do in this game. There's, there's one score called Love, and with a certain amount of love, you can marry wives. You start out with Apron Wife, who's very <laughs> inexpensive. She only costs, oh like, like, maybe five or ten love. She's so inexpensive because she doesn't even need shoes because she never leaves the kitchen. Sounds like a basic bitch to me. Don't talk shit about my wife. (laughs) So then as soon as you marry Apron Wife, you just tap on her and you click level up and Apron Wife starts scrolling across the screen. Half of the screen is filled up with this terrace or like a a sidewalk or something. uh, And your wives scroll from right to left. They walk across the screen with their little basic animations. And there are, uh, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 16 different wives that you can marry uh, several billion times. The rest of the screen is like there's the amount of love that you have, your love per second, then there are ads. There's three little ads, two little icon ads, and then one little banner ad at the bottom which are almost totally ignorable. They're really it's really great that they made this game which is clearly just a vehicle for advertisements, yet the advertisements don't actually get in the way that much. Except every once in a while the music will stop and a full screen ad will pop up that you have to close. That's the only mm. annoying thing about this game. Otherwise, it's frigging delightful. <laughs> the art is really cute. There there are 16 different looking wives with weird personalities. Uh, like CEO wife, whatever Sundra wife is. There's soldier wife who crawls around in a ghillie suit. Shy <laughs> wife is unbelievably adorable. International wife just has like a flag. I'm up to sweet devil wife. Sweet devil <laughs> wife. I have one of those. Um, <laughs> I saw Archer wife. Yeah, there's in, Archer in the wife. Ad. She seems super appealing to me. Yeah. All right. So now each wife has a level and when you marry a wife they start accumulating love per second and then when you level them level them up they increase their love per second a little bit more what should your love per second be to down anixia don't eat, let's all right <laughs> we'll talk about the love per second in a minute and then you, each wife has four gifts that you can give her uh which costs a certain amount of love the first gift doubles the amount of love per second the second one increases it by 10 and then the third one increases it by 100 and then the fourth one is just a picture of your wife in like an action pose like apron wife is slipping a pancake in the kitchen so your final the final (laughs) unlock for your wife is just some art it's nice anime art it's it's cool like tasteful nudity or no (laughs) apron wife apron wife is uh like a perfectly proportioned uh, oh, I just accidentally leveled up. Oh, I leveled up to 122. That was a mistake, because that only gets me 400 love per second, but it costs, it costs, I think, 500 million love. But does it get her to allow any tentacles in the bedroom? No. <laughs> uh, so I just wasted about 500 million love. You have so much love to give, though. I mean... <laughs> I actually have right now, I'm coming up on 500 billion love. Damn. 
Yeah, I just crested 500 billion love. So what I'm going to spend that on is the love tap, where <laughs> you, you just tap on the screen and your love, you accumulate love. So this is now a domestic abuse simulator. Okay. <laughs> no, you're like, because you're tapping on the wives and little hearts pop up. Okay, and then you gain, like, right now I'm gaining 400 million love per tap. Damn. 400 million love per tap, which is pretty good. (laughs) My love per second is 770 million love per second. So I'm going to need 5 trillion love in order to level up to the love tap 6. There are uh, microtransactions. Prostitutes. No. Oh. It's called Life Plus. Ooh. And it increases your love per second by 20%. And it stacks up to a maximum of 500%. Now, this is really cool because that means there is a maximum amount of money that they will ever like take from you from the game, which I think is really honest of them. The total amount of money you can spend on the game is something like 11 or $12 to get the maximum 500% love per second. But there is a one-time purchase where you can get 10 of these boosts for just $3. So for $3, you can boost your love per second by 200%. So if you're just like, I like this game a little bit, you can pay $3. Or if you like it a lot, you can pay the maximum. I real So I spent my $5 on this game because I think it's wonderful. It's so simple and distracting. And just seeing this number of love get stupidly high is somehow... Uh, extremely appealing there are achievements there's a secret illustration which you get by unlocking all the achievements so mm. that's my goal i want to see i want to see the final picture mark i'm sure that it's probably a middle finger just being like thanks for your time buddy <laughs> or maybe it's all of the wives in like an action pose maybe they're all naked i have no idea I just want to see where this stupid little thing ends. To recruit the the maximum level wife, I don't know, she's question marks right now, you need 100 trillion love. Wow. You need 100 trillion love just to get level 1. So right now, 500, 500 billion. It's not even in the right ballpark. <laughs> so the game is kind of like a resource management game. Where you're, you basically put money into these accounts to earn interest. Like, Apron Wife, maxed out at level 122, only gives 24,400 love per second. And that costs, like, several billion love to get her up to that level. Each successive wife has a higher expense, but a higher reward. So right now, if I put my Sweet Devil Wife is level 10, if I level her up to level 11, that costs a hundred billion love, and I get an extra like uh, eight million love per second. So the game is sort of about where do you invest your love early so that your love per second gets higher, so that you can unlock these exponentially increasing costs. I think this morning my love per second was around two hundred million. Now it's over eight hundred million. That's really the whole game. It's very simple. It's addictive. It's rewarding. It's cool. It's not like they could have easily they could have easily made these numbers impossible and just charged you a dollar to uh, boost it temporarily. And they could make they could make a million dollars a day like Game of War. That's what this game reminded me of was Game of War, because you're basically Mm. tapping to make a number go up. But they didn't do that. 
the advertising is not offensive. The art is nice uh, and pleasing to the eye. Oh, I should mention the sound. There's one song. It's good. <laughs> the little, the tapping, the little hearts are uh, a nice little thing. The sound effects are good. It's just a classy, thoughtful game where you marry billions and billions, <laughs> billions of wives. Uh, and it it asks you to tweet. Like it rewards you a little bit for tweeting, oh. which you can do or not do if you want. As far as I can tell, if you tweet anything from their tweet prompt, you get the reward. So you don't even have to tweet about the game, although it automatically fills uh, the total number of wives. With the hashtag monogamy is overrated? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, I've tweeted a few times, but it's optional. My total love count, by the way, is over 2 trillion, 200 billion love, is what I've accumulated over the lifetime of the game. At a 360% increase. The only sad thing is that by spending $5, it means that I'm going to be spending less time playing the game. Because one day, I'll level all of my wives up to 100, and then I won't have any reason to play anymore. I'll unlock all the achievements, and the game will be over. Maybe a year from now, who knows. 10 billion wives, it's free to play, and I give it a score of 10 billion out of oh. 10 billion wives. Going back to the beginning of this, uh, the the word Sundra, or Sunder, I can't pronounce it. Yeah, with a T. Sunder. Yeah. Is um, a person who is initially cold and even hostile before gradually showing their warm side over time. Oh, man. That sounds delightful. What's what's her art like? She, oh, yeah. She's pointing at you and, like, has an <laughs> angry face. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, hey, you know, maybe once you level her up, she'll uh, come around. Yeah, let's see. Let's see if I can get up to 120 by the end of the show and we'll see what her art is. She's expensive. Well, Kevin, you haven't been you haven't taken on ten billion wise, but you have um, participated in a three way. You could say that I have done that, yes, <laughs> with many anonymous partners. Zelda Triforce Heroes is the game I'm reviewing for this episode. It's developed and published by Nintendo, and uh, it's the latest in the series of multiplayer Zelda spinoffs that was started with the Four Sword series. I was really excited to play this because I loved Four Sword Adventures on the GameCube. I had four GameCube connector cables. I actually was able to get, like, three other people with Game Boy Advances to play it, and it was a great time. It was a simpler time. Yeah, it was a simpler time when more of my friends lived locally. Anyway, Triforce Heroes is a Zelda game, but it doesn't feel quite as much like a Zelda game in tone, at least not in terms of, like, the traditional series. For example, and, and this is shared with the Four Sword series, but, like, the vast explorable overworld with dungeons throughout it is gone. Um, in Triforce Heroes, there's... Uh, a central hub town where you can walk around and talk to NPCs that sort of serves as like the tutorial of the game. You can use that as like a jumping off point to go to the drab lands, which is where the adventuring takes place, or you can use materials that you find in the levels to build costumes. So from the town, you can go to these different areas in the drab lands, which, uh, 
each area of the Drablands is divided into four areas with, with uh, four mini-stages within. So it's there's a total of eight worlds, four levels, and each level has four areas within it. That's not bad. Another way that the game doesn't really feel like Zelda is that the story is extremely silly and campy. And I know that Zelda has, like, a lot of uh, tendencies toward silliness. I mean, this is the series that introduced Tingle, for goodness sake. (laughs) But this one is probably sillier than any other Zelda game that I played. The story is, not Princess Zelda, but a very fashionable princess has been cursed by a witch with a curse that makes her no longer able to be fashionable. So, your quest is to break the curse so that the princess can wear cute and cool clothes again. That's why you're <laughs> risking your life. I love it. Yes. It's it's actually really fun. Like it, it might sound stupid, but the way it's implemented is well done, and I like that it's not so serious for once. So, you know, you travel to this area called the Drab Lands, you beat the witch's minions, and as you do this, you slowly break her magic's power. But it's dangerous to go alone, so you have to take three heroes in to every area. Mm-hmm. That's where the multiplayer aspect comes in. That's how they justify the, you know, having three heroes. Even in single-player mode, you have to have three links go in with you. It's just that you have to control all of them. But unlike the Four Swords series, where you could have uncontrolled characters just trail behind you, there's absolutely nothing that uh, these other links will do unless you're directly controlling them. They're literally just dolls that stand there lifeless until you are actively controlling them. And they're vulnerable as well. They're not, like, invincible or whatever while you're not controlling them. Yes and no. Okay. They are invincible to, like projectiles and, like, enemies generally won't attack them. However, there are things like, like, if you're standing on, like, certain floors will slowly break as you stand on them. And if you leave, the uncontrolled characters are called doppels. Um, if you leave a doppel on a floor that will break, eventually they will break through that floor and it will cost you health. Everybody shares a, a life bar. Right. So if one player takes damage, everybody takes damage. And there, there are like also certain boss fights where, you know, the, the boss will generally only go after whoever's being targeted, but like the Moldorm, for example, will, um, like you, you fight him over a pit, like on a platform over a pit, and he'll like just run over and push off uncontrolled doppels into the pit and cost you health, which mm-hmm. is infuriating mm-hmm. when it happens. Uh, and it happens a lot. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself there. So, in each level, you find, you know, classic Zelda enemies, like Moblins and Chews. Unlike Zelda, there's no weapon collection. You There are three weapons in each level, one for each player. Sometimes they're all the same weapons, sometimes they're a different combination of weapons. Uh, the more interesting levels tend to use different weapons for each player, but... Sometimes, you know, like, everybody will get, like, the fire glove or, like, the, you know, the water rod or something like that. One of the things that I really like about this game is the costume element of it. Oh, and, yeah. And that's one of the things that Nintendo really promoted while the game was in development. There are, like, I'm, I haven't even scratched the surface on costumes. Like, you can get costumes that do things like enhance certain weapons. So, like, before you go into a level, um, it'll tell you what weapons you'll find in the level. So, if you take the boomer the Boomeranger costume in, that improves the range and damage of your boomerang. Or if you take, like, the, the cockery clothes in, you can 
shoot three arrows with the bow instead of one. Or there are, you know, like the legendary dress, which basically makes you wear Princess Zelda's dress, means that, like, you'll get hearts dropping more often throughout the level to replenish your health. The sheer number of different ways that helps you, like, you, it, it can be, like, support roles, like the dress. Um, there, there's a costume that uh, allows you to swim through lava. It's a Goron costume. Um, so, like, on the fire levels, that's invaluable. Um, there's a cozy parka that keeps you from sliding on the ice, so that's really oh. helpful for one of the zones that's very icy. It's possible to have a lot of replay value in the levels, because occasionally that will make certain le- It'll enable you to skip, like, certain portions of levels, which opens up the possibility to um, complete some of the challenges a little bit easier than you would have. Like, every time you beat a level, there are a certain number... There are three challenges also three or four, I don't remember, challenges assigned to it that added an additional level of challenge and some replay to it. I personally don't do them. I think think they're boring, and it's kind of a lame way to add content onto the game. But other people seem to be into it, so I guess that might just be me. But, like, for, for example, like, being able to skip certain sections of a level because you can swim through lava might help you complete a, tr- a, a challenge where you have to beat a level in less than a certain amount of time. One of the big differences between Triforce Heroes and Four Sword Adventures, aside from the three to four players difference, is Triforce Heroes' totem system, uh, which is where you can stack links on top of each other to access different levels and to fight enemies that are on different tiers. It makes really great use of the system's 3D, because it's a little bit hard to tell sometimes what level an enemy's weak point is on if you don't have the 3D turned on. So it makes a good case for the 3DS's use of 3D. The art in the game is beautiful. It reminds me a lot of A Link Between Worlds. It's the same perspective, and the game runs really smoothly. It runs, it appears to run at 60 frames a second. The animation, it's everything is beautifully smooth. Yeah, very nice. Um, the music's great too. In terms of art and music, it's like very much is reminiscent of like any top tier Zelda game from like the 2D days. The unfortunate thing is it's really not as well put together as the top tier Zelda games. Mm-hmm. Um, because while it does have beautiful art and music and the play control's good and everything about it seems, you know, superficially, to be really great, the single-player experience in this game is atrocious, which is unfortunate, because Four Sword Adventures handled it really well. You could just have the your uncontrolled links trail behind you, they wouldn't take damage, you could put them in different formations, and there were a lot of formation puzzles involved in that game as well. Uh, just like they do with the with the totem aspect of this game. Like, you know, that, that's a technique that they use for, for puzzles. But... The problem is a lot of, like, traversing the terrain is made clunky by having three links that you actually have to control at all times. Some of the boss fights, like I mentioned the Moldorm earlier, and there are a couple of other fights that are just really tough to do in single player. Um, and that really detracts from my enjoyment of the game. So it's clear that um, this, in this game, like, multiplayer is the way that you are supposed to go. Which is fine, except this has a lot of problems too. First of all, I have no friends to play with. I'm restricted to online. <laughs> like, you can only play it either in single-player or in three-player. There's no two-player option. And that's oh. really disappointing, because Four Sword Adventures, a game that came out 11 years ago, figured out a way to do that. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, Triforce Heroes can't. So I'm restricted to playing online with people I don't know, and 
one of the big things about that is this game, for whatever reason, has significant slowdown issues when you play online. I mean, I haven't done a lot of reading on this. Like, I don't know why that would be. I don't know if that would be on Nintendo's end or if, like, is, do you know if this game is like peer to peer or anything like that? I would assume. I think most of Nintendo's online games are that way. And it's just abysmal. Like, there, there are so many times where it renders the game unplayable, and I just drop out of a group because somebody's connection is that terrible. Mm-hmm. Another problem with the game is those eight tiles that you have to communicate with your teammates just don't fucking cut it. Nope. Like, you can't communicate enough information to be able to do it. Like, the, the only thing that I could think of that they could have done to solve this is make it so that in order to play with, a, you know, people you don't know online, you have to have actually finished that level first. Because that way, at least you'd have, you know, figured out the puzzle at one point or another. But, like, I got on with so many people who didn't understand simple shoot-the-fucking-switch-with-your-goddamn-bow puzzles that it was infuriating. Uh, and I understand that Nintendo is all like, oh, well, I don't want, you know, people to be able to, like, get on with children in this game and, like, curse at each other or whatever. They have to figure something, like, they do have a system in that game where you report players who, you know, are playing in a way that is not desirable. Like, you know, if you have somebody who's a troll, and, and to their credit, I never found anybody who was a troll. I found people who were so bad at it that I thought they were a troll. <laughs> but, it, it became clear that they were just not smart. Yeah. My experience is only with the demo because I couldn't afford to pick up the full game. But um, I had one level where two of us knew what to do. And it, mm-hmm. we were in the opening section of the level. Like you start the level, you teleport in, you grab your weapons, and then immediately there was a puzzle to solve. Two of us knew what to do, but we had the wrong weapons. The only person with the right weapon, which I believe was, I'll just say it's bombs. I don't remember didn't know what to do with those bombs. And so me and the other guy are, were trying to use the tile set of emoticons or whatever to relay to this person. We're like, I'm like throwing my boomerang to show him where to throw the bomb and stuff like that. And I'm spamming the emoticons and it's just not working. And like the timer's just ticking yeah. down. So Emrys brought this up in a previous episode. People find a way to abuse any communication system. Mm-hmm. What happens to me, I'm like, this guy is a complete moron. So what we do is we, I, I just gave up. And so I repeatedly just kept running into the lava, dying over and over and over again and spamming, good job, 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 as I'm dying repeatedly over and over again. And then eventually we run out of hearts and I rage quit the level. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you're going to have people who behave undesirably no matter what, but like, Nintendo needs to fucking get over this issue that they have with people being able to talk to each other in games, especially for a co-op puzzle-solving game like Triforce Heroes, because it's really detracting from the entire fucking experience. Well, there's a new regime in charge, and, you know, we all loved Iwata, but he was very protective, and if if this new account system that's going to go into effect in March is any indication, like, I think finally after like nine years well almost 10 by the time this comes out struggling with their online presence i think they're finally like gonna be where they should you know unified accounts and like communication uh systems that universal work outside of all your devices you know on on multiple devices and i think we're headed in the right direction it's just a shame it's taken so damn long and that this game is crippled forever crippled by it. Yeah, it, it it really is a shame because so much about this game is really good. Mm-hmm. As as many negative things that I have to say about it, and I, I have more negative <laughs> things to say, I'm not done with it. That's good. 
Like, I'm going to keep playing it because there's so much about it to you like. You know that there is download play. So you, with your one single cart, if you find, I know this is like next to impossible t- as well, but if you find two friends with 3DSs, they can download the game. You can all three play together with just your one copy. Sure. Getting three people together to play at the same time in one location <laughs> is not as easy as it was when I right. was 20. Another thing that uh, is a really big problem with Triforce Heroes is it wastes a lot of your time with this whole challenge process. You know, like like I mentioned how each level has challenges. So sometimes, you know, like you'll want to get you'll have to replay a level to get materials to build a, a costume that you want. Because like the way each level works is at the end of a level there are three chests. Um you get to choose one of them. And two of the chests have like a common item and one of them has a rare item in them. And all of them are useful for a crafting costumes. But you'll have to replay these levels to get all the necessary materials. So I'll want to go back and play and replay a level just to, you know, get a material or something like that. Which first of all is that's a mechanic that I got annoyed with in World of Warcraft when I played that like seven years ago. So I'm not exactly enamored with that process, but I'm willing to do it for a fun multiplayer Zelda game. But the way they handle the level selection for multiplayer is bullshit. Because, like, you can choose, like, ice caverns or whatever, but that, you know, means that you're going to get one of the four areas in ice caverns. And then people might be like, oh, but I want to do a challenge in this. I have no interest in attempting any of the challenges with anonymous people online who may or may not be stupid. (laughs) So what ends up happening is, the, the way they handle is, you know, everybody makes their vote on what level they want to play. It's like Mario Kart when you play it online. Like, everybody chooses a level, and then the roulette comes up, and it's like, oh, uh, then, you know, this is the one that we're gonna do. But the problem is, like, um, while a Mario Kart course takes, like, two minutes to complete, a Triforce Heroes level takes anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes to complete, depending on how efficient your team is. Which is, like, for a company that didn't have trust in the goodness of the human heart enough to allow voice chat, this is demanding an awful lot of anonymous people online. Like, when I first started, I would do levels I didn't want to do just because I was trying to be a team player. But when I had to wait, like, an hour to do a level that I wanted to do, I've just started dropping out if somebody chooses a level I don't want to do. I'm done trying to be friends with people online. I'm done trying to be helpful. I'm just done with people wasting my time. I want to do what I want to do, and I'm not fucking around waiting for other people's bullshit. (laughs) What ultimately it sounds like, then, is that you end up with a community of people who don't want to play with each other in a game that only works multiplayer. Well, yeah, here's the thing. Like, Emrys, if you had this game, and... You were like, hey, I really need to do ice caverns to get this material. Will you do it with me? I'm like, yeah, we're friends. I'm investing in something. I'm investing in a friendship by playing this game, and it's fun. But when I'm playing it with people online who I don't know and I don't give a shit about, I have there, there's nothing at stake to make me want to do this for a person, especially when yeah. there's no guarantee that I'm going to get to do what I want to do. Yeah. It sounds like this game is a step down from Four Swords Adventures. Mm-hmm. How do you think that happened? I really honestly don't know, because they had a really good formula worked out with Four Swords. For the life of me, like, a lot of the changes that they made, I cannot figure out why they would decide that. Like, the totem thing is, 
interesting, but it's gimmicky, and it means that, like, in order to move his one unit, you have to take time having every link lift a different link up so you can move his one unit. Uh, I don't know who thought that would be a better idea than just press a button to have everybody follow you and not take damage. So I don't know why they would do that, because they had such a good system. It just seems like a really huge step backwards. Like, the the fact that there is online multiplayer available is nice, it's just so poorly implemented. Yeah, yeah. I really would love, in an alternate world, you know, if we could... Maybe we could do a follow-up podcast or follow-up review where, like, you actually get to play with friends. My sister has it, you know, and if I could ever scrape together money, I would love to get it, mm-hmm. you know, and then... It'd be cool to see if you your mind would be changed if you could consistently play and make progress in the game with the two of us, at least. I am convinced that this would be a completely different review if that had happened, but I could not get yeah. anybody to play with me. Yeah, and so when you're left to just the anonymous online shitbags, yeah. I have another review. It won't be long, though. I'm going to review, very quickly, a little game called Neko Atsume. I think the best way to describe this game, this is an iOS game. It's free to play. Best way to describe it would be um, Crazy Cat Lady Simulation. What that looks like is you open the game and you are given a just a, a little backyard. It's, it's your backyard. Throughout the backyard, you can scatter little gifts. You can maybe put down a spool of yarn or a bowl of cat food, maybe a, a goldfish bowl, whatever. The The goal of the game is basically to lure the neighborhood cats into your backyard so that they're now your cats, <laughs> which is sort of disturbing. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Anyway, I downloaded this game because a bunch of people on Twitter were talking about it. Like They were super excited. They were finally getting this this crazy Japanese game. And after playing it, I've had it on my phone now for at least two weeks. It's a miserable pile of shit. And the reason I say that is it, it, there's almost zero animation in the game. Like a cat will come in your backyard and most of the time it's just a static little image of a cat and it just sits there. I don't know that I want much animation for cats coming in my backyard. Well, then sometimes they'll be playing with a little ball or whatever like that and there'll be a little bit of animation. Right now I'm looking at it and there's a, the goldfish bowl. Like it sort of moves a little bit like the water motion and everything. But like... All in all, you're just looking at static images of animated cats. And these animated cats, there's a lot of butthole in the game. (laughs) I mean, anytime the cat is turned away from you or on its back or doing anything, really, its butthole is very prominent. And I've owned plenty of cats. And yeah, occasionally like you see their butthole. But like they went out of their way to show off these cats' buttholes. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to rename this game Cat Butthole Simulator 2015. <laughs> and what a weird little thing. Like you you'll 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 minimize the game and maybe you'll come back to it a day later and it'll be like, "Oh, all these cats came by. They ate all the cat food. And they played with some toys. They left you little gifts. Maybe they left you the game's currency, which is like little silver and gold fish. Which by the way, you do not get enough goldfish. Like that's where the microtractions come in is buying goldfish. Uh-huh. Goldfish get you good stuff. I'm, I've been trying for two weeks to get enough goldfish to purchase a bigger yard, and it's just not happening. It's just a miserable <laughs> slog. 
gotta grind those cat assholes. Yeah. More. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised the microtransactions aren't um, like jewelry that you can buy to adorn the cat's butthole with. <laughs> right. <laughs> they actually make jewelry for cat butthole. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs> like like an eye patch or something. Yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say. You can't interact with these cats at all. This isn't like Nintendo cats or whatever. It's they they you can't pet them. You can take pictures of them, which is just weird. Of their buttholes. I have a lot of butthole pictures on my phone. <laughs> like, I will send them to you. <sighs> what a weird little very very Japanese experience it is. And I've been say, I've been trying to get that bigger backyard, hoping I can unlock more. And I was not able to do it in time for this podcast. So as soon as this podcast is over, I'm deleting this game off my phone. I mean, I I, I guess I could purchase more things. I could I could right now I could go to the shop and I could purchase a um little cardboard box fashioned to look like a cafe. How the cats interact with that, I'm not really sure. I could get them little a hammock. I could uh, plenty of like cat towers. Oh my god, there's a cat metropolis on here. I could get for fifty gold fish. Little cardboard tubes for them to climb in, a space heater, which I'm, I'm just wondering, can the cat, or can bad things happen to these cats? I would love to see the cat fall asleep on the space heater. <laughs> <laughs> you come back and your notification is, oh, Whiskers is a smoldering mess. <laughs> but like all these cats, like are they in the neighborhood cats? Are you, are you basically trying to steal? Are you luring everyone, all your neighbor's cats into your backyard to hoard them like a sad little lonely Japanese woman? It's, I think you're just into bedazzling buttholes. Yeah, I, man, that's my that's my uh, very meandering review of Neko Atsumi. Um, I I can't recommend it um, un- <laughs> unless you like staring at chocolate starfish all day long. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was the whole review. Yeah, I, I I don't have a lot to say about it, but I I just in our Twitter feed, it's it's been like popular. A lot of people excited about this game. I think they're more excited about the idea of this game. I don't. I don't know that many people got into it. I, I think it, it, it kind of dropped. The excitement dropped off once people downloaded it and played it for reals. It just doesn't sound like they went to all that much effort to make it authentic. Like the cat should drag its butthole on everything that <laughs> right. you don't want to have butthole juice on. Yeah. I was sure that they were going to, when you said gifts, they were bringing you dead animals. That would be hilarious. My friend's dog used to do that, and they were always unrecognizable masses of fur (laughs) and flesh. Like, was this a possum, a squirrel? We don't know. And then, funny, like, years later, my first job I ever had, I had a boss whose breath smelled exactly like all the roadkill that that dog used to bring into the house. (laughs) Happy days. But yeah, that's all I have. Anybody else have anything? Yeah, go get 10 billion wives. It's a great game. <laughs> Working on it. Get Triforce Heroes if you have friends. <laughs> get Badge Arcade just because it's free. Why the hell not? Thanks for listening, everybody. Go over to portablepower.popularoutcast.com. Clear your cookies or use incognito mode. Do the shopping that you'd normally do. We'll get a small cut of whatever it is you spend at no additional cost to you. Help us get noticed. Go over to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to the Portable Power Podcast. Get in touch with us. Maybe you'd like to send us a game review request or your own answer to our question of the week. You can email us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com or use Facebook, facebook.com slash portablepowerpodcast. Or get in touch with us on Twitter at portablepowerfm. Drink responsibly and listen to the next episode of the Portable Power Podcast so you can witness what happens when people don't.
this beer is not doing it for me. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that Oduls is any good. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it's not getting me drunk. Which, to be honest, is like, that's where liquor and alcohol, that's where it catches the ball and runs it into the end zone, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's nice to symbolically have a beer, but like, the cool thing about beer is that you enjoy it more the more you drink it, because it's having its wizardry on you. Right. This, (laughs) I'm like, hmm, it has a strange aftertaste. Yeah. I, I've, I've never had no duels. Yeah, there's no reason for you to, to drink one, yeah. Makes me a little sad. But it's still, it is, it's still nice to just drink beer. It tastes kind of like, it tastes kind of like regret. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is. Is that, you know, the act of drinking a beer, that you can't, like, you're not fully enjoying a beer because of just the situation where your life is. I right. think, like, like, some people drink a beer and they're like, oh, I drank too much PBR, it tastes like regret. <laughs> I think, I think that O'Doul's, more than anything, that's what it tastes like. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that PBR tastes like regret, to be honest. <laughs> you know, PBR tastes like, um, foul language. <laughs> no, because I love the way foul language feels <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> No, it's like, it's like, but that's not really foul language. Like, if you're not offended, it's like dropping the F-bomb in front of your grandmother, you know? That's what PBR is like. 